Welcome to Open Mic with Mike Sherbino, the show that provides Christian insights into contemporary moral and ethical values and dives deep into how your faith in Jesus changes the way you live your life. Now, here's your host, Mike Sherbino. Hey, everybody. Happy Father's Day weekend. And uh, so glad that you're with us tonight as we're... Uh, you know, just unpacking everything about Father's Day. It's kind of a daunting weekend for a lot of men. And you know, when you're younger uh, and you got little kids, it's like you can do no wrong because they just look up to you. And then as you get older and your kids get older, you kind of wonder, you know, how did I do? Uh, how did it sound? Like, um, am, I, am I being a good dad? Am I really making the grade? And if your kids make decisions as adults that are a little different than yours, uh, you can start to wear all of that. But we come back today and we want to unpack Father's Day. And whether you feel like, hey, you're knocking out of the park or you've hit a grounder uh, into the stands, you know what? This is a good day to uh, reflect and, uh, and maybe make some good decisions to change. I think I've discovered that Father's Day is one of the days that guys like to stay away from church because sometimes when they go, they're going to hear a message on it and they're going to say, hey, I'm just not measuring up. I don't need to process that. Well, it's not going to be the case at North End Church. We got an outdoor drive-in service. It's going to be an amazing time tomorrow. A lot of fun. We got a show and shine. Got some huge monster trucks coming. It's just going to be a great day as we celebrate with dads. And... Um, and I hope that if you don't have any plans tomorrow, you'll head over to North End Church, 455 Geneva Street in St. Catharines. But enough about that. Tonight, uh, I often, well, on any night, I'll often have many guests uh, that will call in uh, and share their expertise or opinion on certain things. Not so tonight. I'm going to fly solo, and I'm flying with you folks. So I think we're in for a great evening. That's what my prayer is tonight, that, that God would just speak to all of us that you know, people will tune into the program tonight and just say, hey, I needed to hear that. That was for me. And maybe part of what they need to hear is what you're going to share. The phone lines are open right now. And uh, I'd like to kick it off with just talking about Father's Day. Maybe uh, you got a special memory of your dad. And uh, this is a good time to brag. Okay, we often do it on Mother's Day, but Father's Day is a good day as well. Dads need to hear that. Or maybe you're a dad yourself, and uh, you, you got a tidbit of advice. You know, something you say, hey, this is what I have found really works in building relationship with my kids. Love for you to call in, share that story. Or maybe you got a funny story. You know, just maybe something you did that was kind of like a, a doorknob thing on a camping trip or... Uh, hey, for a special holiday time, I got a lot of stories to share tonight if nobody calls in. and I don't think you want to hear all my stories. But you know, being a man is a challenging proposition, right? So before I jump into what I got to share tonight, here is the number, 883-5000. Say that again, 883-5000. Guess what? That's to all our people in Buffalo. So, uh, you know, guys... Uh, Let's see if you're going to be the first to call in or if you're going to get some of those crazy Canadians, of which I'm one of them. And if you're in Canada, it's 1-800-684-2848. 1-800-684-2848. That's the long distance number. It applies in the States or Canada. 1-800-684-2848 or locally 883-5000. Spencer's running the control room tonight. So if anything is wrong, just blame him. 
because as a dad, you got to learn sometimes to pass the buck, don't you? But anyways, being a man is a challenging proposition in any generation. And someone once said that wise guys are a dime a dozen, but a wise man can be as rare as a silver dollar. And it starts at a young age when you want to prove your strength as to who is the strongest or the toughest. Well, if I think back to grade two, I didn't have to worry about who was the strongest or toughest. It was the girl on the back street. Her name was Karen DeHoog. I grew up on this little whistle stop of a town called Osgood, Ontario. And Karen DeHoog in grade two, she beat me up. <laughs> if only I'd heard about martial arts back then, I would have enrolled and my self-esteem as a man would have been forever impacted. But guess what? I ran into Karen again when I was 18, and this time she was interested in dating me. <laughs> but once bitten is twice shy. Besides, I was afraid that she could or would still be able to beat me up. But you know, I just got thinking we could have a little bit of fun tonight. And uh, for the first five, six minutes before I get into uh, some of the meatier things, I just thought we could talk about some of those intimidating things uh, about being a man. I want to talk about how to shave. That's right, you heard it. How to hit a curveball. How to grill a steak. Some of you are going to need to listen to this one before tomorrow. And some basic car maintenance by yours truly. And I thought those are just some of the things that as a guy, you're just expected to know. So, hey, the number to call in, you got a story to tell about your dad, maybe why you love him. Maybe you're a dad and you got a story to share uh, that's going to help us all. 883-5000 or one 800 684-2848, all our friends in Canada and long distance land, 1-800-684-2848. But you know, despite the fact that I was beat up when I was in grade two, uh, being a man is not just about strength. You know, as a young man, it was about facial hair. I would look with envy at some of the guys who in grade eight were sporting sideburns and looked a bit like a woolly mammoth. I started shaving at the age of two, just so you'll know. Note to all young fathers who have boys. The problem was that my parents were in the other room, and as they told me the story, I got into the bathroom, found my dad's straight razor, and proceeded to not shave but give generously to the Red Cross. Well, thankfully, uh, as you can figure out for yourself, I didn't die from that experience. But um, here are some things that I've learned, guys, if you want to have a good shave. First of all, wait till you have something to shave. I hope you're enjoying this tonight because I am. I'm just having fun. Wait till you have something to shave. And here, my dad taught me that hot water helps make the hair follicles stand up more and opens the pores of the skin. So how about that? That's why hot water. Lather well and shave against the grain. And remember, a straight razor is only for professionals. Only for professionals. You know how to shave. If you got a young kid, you might as well talk to them about it before they cut themselves all up like I did. But then there's a second thing. You know, you go to the Sunday school picnic, you go to the office party, and there's a softball game. I'm heading away with my uh, the interns from our church for the next couple days, and we're going to be taking on a bunch of people up at a place called Elam Lodge in a baseball game. Now, I haven't played baseball in a few years. But I, I do know a couple things that I can pass on. And it's kind of like how to hit a curveball. You know, there are some other things that the dads haven't always taught us, but it's helpful to know. 
But there was an expectation when I was a kid that even if you didn't play organized ball, you still knew how to hit the baseball. The key to hitting a curveball, according to the experts, is really twofold. First of all, you got to be patient. So like if you're going to be uh, playing in some softball game, it doesn't matter whether it's a curveball or just a, you know, a straight on pitch. Be patient. Wait for the ball. The temptation is to swing too soon and you look like a fool. A lot of times you just spin right around. Isn't that a lot like most things in life? We would likely be more successful if we all waited a little longer and, and uh, you know, just didn't jump in with two feet every time. And then the second thing about hitting a curveball is you need to lighten up. You got to use a bat that you can get around on. It needs to be light enough that you can get under the ball. And then finally, for all you baseball enthusiasts, read the break. Say, what are you talking about? Well, let me explain it. If the ball starts low, the pitcher's thrown it, comes out low, let it go. But if it seems to hang, then give it a bang. So two things that you just needed to hear tonight, how to shave, how to hit a curveball. I'm sure the ladies are saying, wow, this is just really what I needed. It's up my alley. Well, here's the third thing. You need to know how to grill a steak. Nothing is more embarrassing than when you have your friends over if you burn the cow. You just don't want to do that. And I've learned that men expect their wives to prepare the vegetables, set the table, make a dessert, and then we barbecue the meat. And the other assumption is that when the guests come for the meal, we can brag about how we cook dinner. While they all look at us with that look that says, hello, is anybody home? Well, but cooking the steak is an acquired skill. My son-in-law has taught me a lot, I have to admit, and I've learned this. Again, like baseball, you got to be patient. If the cow is tougher, you have a cheap cut, then marinate it. And it's best when you leave it to marinate overnight. But that takes planning, guys. And uh, a wise wife will help you plan. Don't put it on the grill frozen. That's just a, a no-brainer. Turn the heat off the middle burner. Heat the barbecue up till it's hot and then turn off the middle burner and place the steak in the middle so that the heat rolls around it. And guess what? Give equal time to both sides. And depending on the thickness of the cut, give it four to seven minutes aside and try to only flip it once, leaving the juices inside. And you can use a meat thermometer to tell you if it's medium or rare or still mooing. And if you see smoke, well, you probably know it's well done or that there's another offering to give to the gods. And if all else fails, uh, some would advocate, go out for dinner. Here's the last thing I want to share with you, and then we're going to get into a little more heavier stuff. But you know what? These are things. I remember sharing this in one time on a Father's Day, and people came to me, and one guy said, you know, I didn't know how to do that. That was really helpful. And here's something on car maintenance. Common sense is a big thing, and only idiots ignore the idiot light. What's the idiot like? That's that little red light that comes on. You know, my dad taught me some basic mechanics, but while cars are computerized, and I can't figure them out now, there's still a thing called common sense. And when the light, red light comes on, folks, on your dash, don't take a hammer and hit it. Pull over and stop. Ignoring it is going to cost you a lot of money. They don't call them idiot lights for nothing. And uh, some guys just don't have a clue about caring for a car. So here are three basic things to remember. Check your tire pressure. They should be between 32 and 35 pounds. You can avoid bad accidents 
by just checking your tire pressure. I remember once we were heading in Vancouver up to a place called Kelowna going through the mountains and I am always checking my tire pressure. And for whatever reason, a friend who'd had a bad accident called me. He said, you need to check your tire pressure. And I'm thinking, well, I already did a couple days ago. And I got out and sure enough, one of them was really soft. It could have really caused an accident driving on some of those hairy roads in the mountains. And uh, the other thing is change your oil. Change your oil every 5,000 kilometers. Change your air filter at least once a year. I mean, my goodness, you change your underwear, change your air filter as well. And when you put your brakes on and you hear a squeak or grinding, go to a garage. It is always a bonus, folks, if your car stops. So, you know what? We may think that if we can handle those things, that we are well on our way to becoming a man. And while I do not doubt the importance of learning some of these rites of passage, and I hope you were smiling with me a bit as we went through them, there is something else that most of us never talk about or ask about. I was fortunate to have a dad that modeled what I'm going to share with you. But take me out of the occasion and let's listen in on some tough guys who asked a searching question. Call them the dirty dozen, but the disciples were the ones who uh, asked some tough questions. They were tough fishermen who'd seen the raw side of life. Men who would have been perceived as being tough guys. And one day they asked Jesus to teach them something. They didn't ask to be taught how to shave or hit a curveball or ride a horse or grill a steak. If they'd asked Jesus those things, I'm sure he could have explained it. But they asked him something far more important. And they asked Jesus if he could teach them how to pray. You know, at this stage in my life, if I could ask Jesus to teach me anything, it would be on how to pray more effectively. You see, what duct tape is to a man as a way of holding broken things together, so is prayer for keeping life together. And I'm intrigued that this supposedly simple, uneducated man realized that they couldn't keep life together in their own strength. Now they need a supernatural help. And prayer is the means by which we tap into that supernatural strength. So we're going to look in the Bible to a passage that you probably know most of the words, but it's found in Luke 11, verse 1. And one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. I think Jesus was delighted that at least one of his disciples asked this question. And he'd be glad to share with you what he told his, these disciples. So folks and men listening, if you've ever struggled with prayer, can I ask you, have you read the instruction manual? I mean, we are men. It's not our, it's not our slogan, if all else fails, read the instructions. So tonight we want to look at some of the instructions on prayer. And the first thing to realize is that it's never too late to start. Learn to pray yourself so that you can model and train others to pray. There are a few things that Jesus wants us to know, but just for the record, he wants us to know how to pray. And I'm going to talk about that when we come right back after this short break. Stay tuned. Love for you to call in 883-5000 or 1-800-684-2848. We'll be right back. 
North End Church has your summer solution to pandemic restrictions. They call it a drive-in service. Yeah, you heard that correctly, a drive-in service. Stay in the safety and comfort of your own vehicle while gathering with people who want to worship together and experience all that God has for them. Every Sunday throughout the summer, join North End at 455 Geneva Street at 10 a.m. for their drive-in service. You'll enjoy the live worship band, faith-building stories, preaching that will inspire, and the opportunity to encounter the living God. Join Pastor Mike Sherbineau and the North End family each Sunday at 10 a.m., either online or at their drive-in service. North End believes everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything is possible. North End Church, 455 Geneva Street, St. Catharines. Will you provide a Bible for someone who desperately needs one? Baja knows the truth about Jesus, but she needs to read the Bible for herself. Like many new believers in India, Baja cannot find or afford a Bible. Your gift today provides a Bible and ministry programs for people like Baja. She knows that the power of prayer to Jesus changed her life, and she is eager to share this power and truth with others. But she needs a Bible. Your gift of just $5 will provide the Bible for a new believer eagerly waiting for their own copy of God's Word. Will you give a Bible to a new believer today? Visit BibleLeague.ca slash Mike or call Bible League Canada at 1-800-363-9673. Welcome back to Open Mic with Mike Sherbino. Have a question for Mike? Phone lines are open. Call now at 800-684-2848 or 883-5000. Hey, we'd love you to call in tonight and uh, share a story about your dad. Um, why do you love him? How did your dad make an impact in your life? This is a great opportunity to call in 883-5000, 1-800-684-2848. And uh, on this Father's Day weekend, I want to continue to unpack um, just some things that 12 disciples said to Jesus, tough men, fishermen, they said, would you teach us how to pray? And uh, in Matthew chapter 6, uh, we come across these words um, in verse 7. He says, when you pray, uh, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your Father in heaven will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. <clears throat> wow, some heavy words there. But anyways, let's, let's start to unpack that together as we think about what prayer looks like. And, and especially today, uh, I just want to dedicate the message to the guys that are listening. And uh, so ladies, if you're there, maybe uh, tell your husband to uh, listen in. Um, maybe you got a son, and uh, it's timely for him to hear as well. But for all of us, what was Jesus saying? Well, you see, in verse 5 of Matthew chapter 6, he said, uh, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they receive their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and Pray to your Father who's in secret, and your Father who sees in secret, 
he will reward you. I've learned this about prayer, that prayer is not a show. This is not some spiritual exercise to impress people. You see, it was common for the Jews to pray at least three times a day, morning, noon, and evening. When they would pray, it would often be standing up, and it became a way to impress people with their spirituality. But God was not impressed. Jesus actually called them hypocrites. It was a word that was used in the Greek language to describe actors who would wear different masks to hide behind. Public prayer and giving to the needy had become the pillars of piety. But Jesus is saying it's what's in your heart that really counts. So prayer is not a show, but be sure of this. Prayer is about who you know. If I want to have an intimate conversation with someone, I do it in private. So Jesus says, go into your room. Now, the room that he's talking about was the storeroom or an inner room in the home, where kind of like a, a glorified pantry. And he says, go in there where nobody's around and talk to God in private. And the indication here is that it is to be regular. So I would encourage you to find a place in your home where you can sit or kneel quietly, maybe a favorite chair or spot where you can have some undivided time with God. You know, we've moved across the country and we lived in many different homes over the years. And I find in each home, I find a spot. A lot of times it's in a chair and it's the place where I go to. Sometimes I have a place outside when the weather's nice and I'll go and I'll sit there and just be quiet. Or I have another place. And, uh, and it doesn't matter where we've been, uh, I try to find a spot. If I close my eyes right now, I can picture some of the different places where I've sat and just spent time talking with God. Well, what is also interesting here is that Jesus said that prayer is about getting to the point. It's not about repeating something over and over. God hears you. Be sure you adore him, confess to him, thank him, and ask him. He invites us to ask. You know, the other night I was uh, visiting a, a friend and uh, she and her husband, and she is going through a, a real health battle. And the doctors have said that she has an incurable situation. And so I said to her, it sounds like an incurable situation is something that we definitely need to pray about. And as we prayed together and we asked God for his healing, she made the comment to me afterwards, you know, we are told to ask. And I said, absolutely, we're told to ask. If we don't ask, you will never get the answer. So Jesus invites us to ask. Now tonight, as many of you are listening to the program, I know some of you have needs. And uh, I'd like you to know that you're welcome to call in. You don't even have to talk about Father's Day. Maybe you got a need and you'd like prayer. I would be delighted to pray with you. I believe that God hears, that he answers prayer. Maybe you're dealing with cancer. Maybe you've got a heart issue. Um, Perhaps you've got something like arthritis and you're just in a lot of debilitating pain. My goodness, it seems that I've just encountered so many people over the last two months, almost it seems on a daily basis, who are dealing with huge, huge physical issues. And so I find myself continually saying, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? And I'd be glad to pray for you tonight. 
Maybe you're listening tonight and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, and you're just thinking, you know what? I'm not sure I even buy into any of this stuff. Is it really true? Does God answer prayer? Well, how would you know if you don't ask? I want you to be as Jesus. He sends an invitation. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Try it. Many times I've thought about, you know, with our kids when they were younger, like they have them try some food, something different, and they turn their nose up and say, oh no. And, uh, and then you just, when their mouth is open, you try to shove it in real quick. And all of a sudden they say, oh, that's not so bad after all. And I think Jesus was saying that when he said, taste and see that the Lord is good. He invites us to come to him, to find peace in his presence, to find strength for this journey called life. But what Jesus is saying in verses 5 to 8, before we get to what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer, is that prayer is not a show. It's about who you know. It's about getting to the point. You don't have to pray long prayers. It's about connecting with God. We read that in this passage that the Lord already knows what we need before we ask. So why should we pray anyways? It's because God wants us to spend time with us. In those moments of prayer, he can address the stuff that we as men often run from. And guess what? There is a reward. When you spend time alone with God, he will reward you. The greatest reward is that of his very presence. So let's pause for a moment. I'm not sure what world you live in, but in my world, it's not the most common thing for men to talk about getting together to pray. Matter of fact, a lot of men would probably admit that they don't pray, or they're at least not too sure how to pray. Uh, the Barner Research Group says slightly more than four to five adults in the States, 84% claimed that they prayed in the past week. Well, that has been the case since Barna has been tracking the frequency of prayer since 1993. Um, you know, a group of physicians used in double-blind drug studies of the efficacy of Christian prayer on healing. And patients from the San Francisco General Medical Center were randomly divided into a placebo and test groups. Patients in the test groups were prayed for by Christians. The placebo group received no prayer. And there were no statistical differences between the placebo and the prayer groups before prayer was initiated. The results demonstrated that patients who were prayed for suffered less congestive heart failure, required less diuretic and antibiotic therapy, had fewer episodes of pneumonia, had fewer cardiac arrests, and were less frequently intubated and ventilated. That's by Rich Deem from GodInScience.org. Isn't that interesting? Is it any wonder that Jesus then goes on to say in verse 9, Here is how I want you to pray. How to pray. And the prayer that we're going to look at has a beginning invocation and six petitions that give proper priorities. And over the next uh, half hour, as the program goes on, I'm going to be sharing some of these principles. I hope it will encourage you. I just want to take a break and on this Father's Day. You know, for whatever reason, maybe you're all out buying a gift for your dad or, or for me. <laughs> but, um, you know, not a lot of people have called in. I don't want this to be a heavy night. I want it to be a helpful night. I want to give you hope. I want to give you heaven. Uh, I want you to know that, that as a dad, uh, there were times I thought I was just knocking it out of the park. And there are other times I just thought, oh man, I have failed. And uh, 
my kids live all across the country of Canada. And while I'm doing this broadcast live right now, I see that they're, uh, they're sending text messages. You know how it jumps up in your computer screen? Well, that's what's happening to me right now. And uh, so because of COVID, we haven't been able to get together. That's going to change, I hope, really soon. But we're all going to do the, uh, the Father's Day Zoom call. And uh, a kind of, um, that's a kind of intimidating moment as I'm waiting to hear what they'll say. Um, a lot of times they'll write cards and they put things in writing and it kind of brings a tear to my eye. And sometimes it's just a checkpoint. I felt that God was speaking to me earlier this week. And one of the things that he was telling to me was, he said, you need to start writing to your kids because they live across the country on a regular basis and share many of the stories of how God met us and how he provided for us. The kids remember some of the stories, but they don't remember all of them. Just how God kept us, how he sustained us, how there were times when I didn't know how we were going to get by. And as I prayed, you know what? Some people call it coincidence, but every time I prayed, there was a divine coincidence and God met us. God helped us in our place of need. Um, great stories to share. Maybe, um, you know, one of them was just the time when we were planting a church. We didn't, we got kicked out of the building that we were in. Not kicked out, that's not the right word, but um, the city of Halifax, we were on the East Coast. They decided that the building was going to be used as a mental health hospital. It was a large uh, school that had been empty. And so we were forced to vacate. We said, Lord, where are we going to go? And one of our elders had been walking around a vacant school on one of the most prominent business streets in uh, Nova Scotia, Highway Number 7 at near in Dartmouth. And as he was walking around, he kept praying. And on December 14th, I went to that school. It was a snowy night. Met a man from the city of Halifax. And he said to me, he said, this is my last day on the job. I'm going to rent you this school. I didn't have any money to rent the school for the church. I said to him, well, sir, how much is it going to be? And he looked at me and he said, would a dollar a year be okay? And I just gulped. I knew God had met us. He had provided for us. And then he held the key, handed me the key. He didn't even go into the building. He said, the furnace is on the other side of the building. Take good care of it. And maybe one day you'll be able to buy it. And two years later, that's exactly what happened. We were able to buy that building for the church. What kind of a Father's Day gift is that? Well, I know I have a Heavenly Father who will provide her every need, and He will provide your need as well. Hey, you're listening to Open Mic. I'm Mike Sherbino, talking on this Father's Day about not just how to shave or how to grill a steak or hit a curveball. We're talking about how to pray. And I'm going to be right back after this short break as we unpack now what is referred to as the Lord's Prayer. Stay with us. Love for you to call in. We'll be right back. Will you provide a Bible for someone who desperately needs one? Baja knows the truth about Jesus, but she needs to read the Bible for herself. Like many new believers in India, Baja cannot find or afford a Bible. Your gift today provides a Bible and ministry programs for people like Baja. She knows that the power of prayer to Jesus changed her life, and she is eager to share this power and truth with others. But she needs a Bible. Your gift of just $5 will provide the Bible for a new believer eagerly waiting for their own copy of God's Word. Will you give a Bible to a new believer today? Visit BibleLeague.ca slash Mike or call Bible League Canada at 1-800-363-9673. 
North End Church has your summer solution to pandemic restrictions. They call it a drive-in service. Yeah, you heard that correctly, a drive-in service. Stay in the safety and comfort of your own vehicle while gathering with people who want to worship together and experience all that God has for them. Every Sunday throughout the summer, join North End at 455 Geneva Street at 10 a.m. for their drive-in service. You'll enjoy the live worship band, faith-building stories, preaching that will inspire, and the opportunity to encounter the living God. Join Pastor Mike Sherbineau and the North End family each Sunday at 10 a.m., either online or at their drive-in service. North End believes everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything is possible. North End Church, 455 Geneva Street, St. Catharines. Welcome back to Open Mic with Mike Sherbineau. Have a question for Mike? Phone lines are open. Call now at 800-684-2848 or 883-5000. Hey, we're glad you're back with us. And uh, yeah, we're ready into the half, second half of the program tonight. Just about to unpack the, uh, the Lord's Prayer. Lord, teach us how to pray. Uh, something that I was so thankful that my dad taught me how to pray when I was a young kid. And, but it's still a process. I'm still on the journey. And so many other people have encouraged and helped me. But this prayer, the model prayer, has um, been such a help. Before I jump into it, let me just say something about our drive-in service tomorrow. Um, God has just continued to bless North End Church. And it's a story that's unfolding. We're praying that he will send in more and more people, even leaders. And through COVID, we have just seen God's incredible blessing. We have uh, seven interns this uh, summer who are helping us. They're just knocking it out of the park. Some amazing stories. A couple of them are going to share tomorrow uh, at our service. But they've got a kids program that's amazing. So with the COVID rules, we're now able to launch our kids program. It's inside the church. Uh, we can have 15% in there. So there's lots of room for children. And uh, they'll be well taken care of for the hour. And then... The reason we're doing the drive-in service, I'm going to continue to do it, is that we can put more people out in the cars than we can in the church at 15%. And the good news is this, that you can bring your lawn chair. First couple of weeks, you had to sit in the vehicle because of COVID. You couldn't get out, but now you can sit in your lawn chair and you can just soak in the rays, pretend you're at the, uh, the beach. Uh, we're going to have lots of pop and cold drinks and a bit of food tomorrow. It's going to be a fun day. And it's a show and shine. So bring your fancy car, bring your motorcycle. we got a couple of really big trucks. It's just going to be a fun day for dads. And we, uh, yeah, I just want you to know you're welcome. 455 Geneva Street. Let's talk about the Lord's Prayer. Because Jesus said, pray then like this. This is not a rhyme that we, uh, some kind of a ritual that we say very quickly. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with praying the Lord's Prayer. But it's a model on how we're to pray. So, first of all, we need to think about the person. It starts with our Father who art in heaven. Now, let's think with me about our Father. In the, Ara this, in the Aramaic, this word would be Abba, the everyday language spoken by Jesus. It was a word in Jesus' time that children would use with their earthly fathers. But because the term was also used by adults, it is misleading to think that it 100% meant daddy and runs the risk of irreverence. Nevertheless, the idea of praying to God as our father conveys, get this, authority, warmth, and the intimacy of a loving father's care. Isn't that amazing? But who is our father, our Abba father? Well, the Bible describes our father as a mighty rock, 
a hiding place in times of trouble, able to do exceedingly beyond what we could ask or imagine, and a strong deliverer. Uh, two nights ago, a buddy of mine on the West Coast, his name is Ray, his wife had had another setback in cancer treatment, and he just texted me a few lines. And It was late at night, and I called him. My phone was on speaker, was sitting on the arm of the Chesterfield, and we both retired and we talked. And I didn't have any profound words, but I just said to him, Ray, let's pray. Let's pray. And as we prayed, we reminded ourselves that God is our hiding place in times of trouble. That's the picture of our Father. He's a refuge for his people, a refuge for the oppressed, and a refuge for the poor. He, when we say our Father, it means he's a shelter from the heat, and a shelter from the storm, a source of strength, and a stronghold in times of trouble. So this is my God and Father who we worship says, our Father in heaven. That's his place. So we have the person, now we have his place. And the idea of in heaven, it, it, what it does is it reminds believers of God's sovereign rule over all things. Heaven is not so much about a location as it is the dwelling place of our God. Heaven is the one word that should give believers perspective and hope in the midst of the challenges of life. It is there for us as men to hold on to. Heaven reminds us of the very presence of God. Listen to Revelation 21, verses 3 and 4. It says, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. Whoa! They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, for the old order of things has passed away. And then listen to what Jesus said in John 14, 2-3 about heaven. He said, In my Father's house are many rooms, and I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, then I will come again and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Heaven is where the Lord is. So when you and I pray, think of heaven. What's the next part that we read? It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed is your name. You see, Jesus' disciples are invited into the intimacy of God the Son with his Father. The concern of this first petition is that God's name would be hallowed, that God would be treated with the highest honor, and set apart as holy. So that's why his name is highlighted again. You can't pray and not think about God's identity. Tied up in his identity is the fact that he is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, that he is a holy God. And that's why we are called to represent him well. I had a conversation about three hours ago with a friend and he was talking about uh, how he had a, a moment or two to share his faith with an, a, another person. And as soon as he talked, the person was talking about all the things that they had. He said he had a new motorcycle, a car, home, blah, blah, blah. And my friend said, well, there's one thing you don't have. And he said, what's that? He said, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. 
And the guy said, oh, don't give me that religious stuff. There are some Christians who live down the street, and I want nothing to do with them. What they practice on Sunday, they don't practice through the week. Now, I don't know what he saw in them or what they did or didn't do, but my friend answered wisely. He said, you know, he said, don't look to other Christians. You need to look first to Jesus. And how true that is. Because it's so easy to get our eyes off the Lord when we look to his people. It doesn't mean that we're not to represent him well. And we need to realize that, that we're called to represent Jesus, to be his lights. But in the midst of that, we need to realize that we are representing a holy God. So in my life, there needs to be the things that lead to holiness. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Well, then we find that things change. And in the next part of this prayer, we discover our purpose. So we're finding out about who the person is, the Lord himself. Now we're going to find about our purpose. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now this language describes a king whose servants seek to advance his kingdom. Maybe you remember in Psalm 34 where David the psalm writer said, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Say, oh wow, that sounds kind of interesting, because I want God to give me everything that's on my heart. But what that actually means is that when I am praying to God, I'm submitting to my Father in heaven. It's what Jesus prayed before he went to the cross when he said, not my will, but yours be done. Hmm, let's think about that. So, as a man, when I come before my Father in heaven, I need to submit. I need to humble myself. I need to vest myself of pride in assuming that I am calling the shots. Well, how is that? Well, we come to this now and it says, I'm going to give up my rights. Not that I had any really in the end. But he's, I'm going to say, your kingdom come and your will be done. You see, as I, as a child of God, need to learn from Jesus when he was a boy here on earth. Do you remember when he had gone missing for three days? His parents found him in the temple. And he said to them, didn't you know that I had to be about my father's business? Folks, life is not about my business, but my father's business. It is his will, not my will. And when I understand that, there can be an incredible freedom as I choose to live. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to get to do the things you like to do or enjoy. But we're saying, Lord, I'm going to submit my agenda to your agenda. See, I think the natural thing, if you're a golfer, you like to say, I'd like to play golf every day. But when you submit it to God's agenda, you might say, well, maybe that's not going to happen every day. Maybe you need to take a few neighbors and friends with you as a foursome when you're going around the course. And maybe I have some other things for you to do besides just chasing the little ball all around. Is there a place every once in a while? Absolutely. But it's just the joy of knowing, saying, God, I want your will in my life, not mine. There's something greater that happens when you live for a greater cause. And that's the cause of the kingdom of God. Time and time again, I've seen people when they've gone on a trip overseas, a mission trip, maybe working with, uh, in, you know, places of poverty or refugee camps, 
And they, they might do that as part of their holiday, but they'll come back and they say, this was the most meaningful thing that I've ever done in my life. You know, there's nothing wrong, I guess, with going on a Caribbean cruise, but there's got to be more to life than just that. God calls us to make a difference. And it happens when we start to pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So how does the kingdom get fleshed out in my life? Well, first, I need to realize that I'm in a spiritual battle. Satan will tempt me. He'll want me not to represent my heavenly father well. Just like that man commented about the people who lived at the end of his street. I hope that's not me. I hope it's not you. But I know that if I'm going to represent my Heavenly Father well, it starts at home. And on this Father's Day, I think that's why a lot of guys shudder, because maybe they've blown up. Maybe they've lost their temper. Because you see, if I'm going to represent my Heavenly Father, it starts at home. It'll impact my work, my decisions. There's always a battle going on, and I need to submit my will to my Father. Hey guys, if you're listening tonight, could it be that you need to pick up the phone on this Father's Day weekend and maybe call that son or daughter or, you know, that person that you just let off a lot of steam at and say, hey, I need to get right. I need to just talk to you about what's happening. I'd love for you to uh, write to me. Uh, you can write to me, mike at northendchurch.ca, or you can go to my website, uh, www.mikesherbino.org. And Sherbino is S-H-E-R-B-I-N-O. I try to get back to every person who connects with me, just so that we can encourage you in this journey called life. On this Father's Day weekend, you're listening to Open Mic with Mike Sherbino, working way through uh, the disciples' questions when they said, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? Twelve grown men saying, God, would you teach us? Would you teach us how to pray? And guess what? Jesus said, yes. I'm going to be back with the final part of the Lord's Prayer in just a moment. But first, we have a short break. North End Church has your summer solution to pandemic restrictions. They call it a drive-in service. Yeah, you heard that correctly. A drive-in service. Stay in the safety and comfort of your own vehicle while gathering with people who want to worship together and experience all that God has for them. Every Sunday throughout the summer, join North End at 455 Geneva Street at 10 a.m. for their drive-in service. You'll enjoy the live worship band, faith-building stories, preaching that will inspire, and the opportunity to encounter the living God. Join Pastor Mike Sherbino and the North End family each Sunday at 10 a.m., either online or at their drive-in service. North End believes everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything is possible. North End Church, 455 Geneva Street, St. Catharines. Will you provide a Bible for someone who desperately needs one? Baja knows the truth about Jesus, but she needs to read the Bible for herself. Like many new believers in India, Baja cannot find or afford a Bible. Your gift today provides a Bible and ministry programs for people like Baja. She knows that the power of prayer to Jesus changed her life, and she is eager to share this power and truth with others. But she needs a Bible. Your gift of just $5 will provide the Bible for a new believer eagerly waiting for their own copy of God's Word. Will you give a Bible to a new believer today? Visit BibleLeague.ca slash Mike or call Bible League Canada at 1-800-363-9673. Welcome back to Open Mic with Mike Sherboneau. Have a question for Mike? Phone lines are open. Call now at 800-684-2848 or 883-5000. 
Hey, welcome back to the program. We're in the last quarter tonight. And uh, if you would like prayer for any reason, you got a need, call in. I believe in prayer. Just uh, full of faith for what God wants to do in your life. And uh, I just find myself constantly praying for individuals. And so if we can pray for you and lift you up, uh, you need a miracle tonight, call in. 883-5000-1-800-684-2848. So on this Father's Day weekend, 12 guys come to Jesus and say, will you teach us how to pray? And as Jesus talked about our purpose, now he talks about the provision. Oh, I love this line. It says, give us this day our daily bread. Well, why do I need to pray this way? You know, if there is money in the bank and food in the fridge, because all we have is a gift from God, and if I lose sight of that, I will be overcome by a major problem. And that problem is pride. Pride says that I don't need God. When you do not give thanks for your food, you are saying, I don't need God. When you do not trust him with your tithes and offerings, you are saying, I don't need God. And if the day comes, and I hope that it doesn't, when you do not know where your food or rent money is coming from, you will pray, give me this day our daily bread, because you and I, we do need God. And when we pray this part of the prayer, guess what? It weeds out anxiety and worry. There have been many times, even in doing this radio program and what I do with television, where I have not known where the money is going to come from. And I say, Lord, you know, this is in your hands. Will you give us this day our daily bread? My wife and I, we have prayed many, many times for specific things. When, because of the ministry we were doing, there wasn't a large salary. And you got five kids. And we didn't know where the resources would come from. And the Lord provided over and over again. Shared with you the story of how God provided a, a church building for us for a dollar a year. Uh, the second part of that story was two years later. We're still in the Maritimes, and I had a sense that maybe in a couple years that God was going to move us, and He did. We went to the West Coast, 5,000 miles. Uh, that's a whole other story in itself. But as I was preparing for that, I knew that the building needed to be paid for. But my goodness, we only rented it. And there was still no money. And so two years went by and the city of Halifax went on strike, mostly municipal offices. So it meant that the top bureaucrats, they had to run everything, including the real estate department. And I put in a pitch to buy the school building without any money. I had a line of credit and the treasurer in our church had a line of credit and we kind of did it together. But it was kind of ludicrous because the building at that point was worth maybe 700000 maybe a million dollars. It was a large school building. And I went to the Halifax municipality, and uh, the guy was just overloaded with uh, handling all the real estate because everybody was on strike. And I said, you know, we're doing a ministry in the area. We're helping people. We're caring for them. Did I mention that this school had a beautiful baseball field? And the guy looked at me and he said, you know, he said, the baseball field is important to the community. How about this? He said, what if I sold you the building and we kept the baseball field? You can use it whenever you want, but we will take care of the baseball field for you and just let this community play ball. And I said, sounds like a deal. As long as they 
can't use the parking lot when we're doing services because there wouldn't be room for everybody. He said, that's fine. You can set the agenda. And then I kind of gulped because the next question was, well, how much do you want to sell the building for? And, uh, and he said to me, well, how much are you prepared to offer? And I knew there are line of credit. We can only do $25,000. And I said, you know, we're able to afford $25,000. <laughs> and I'm thinking, this building is three quarters of a million dollars or more. And he looked at me and he said, okay, that's fine. I will sell it to you for $25,000. That was just another miracle where we prayed, God, would you give us this day our daily bread? I've got so many stories like that that I could fill a book with. And I don't know what your need is, but I know that God calls us to ask him, to reach out to him and say, Lord, will you meet our need? Will you provide? And this part of the prayer weeds out anxiety and worry. So if that's our provision, here's our position. He says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So the prayer takes a change now from looking inwardly to looking outwardly. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Because when we come from a place of dependence, which is God, give us this day our daily bread, that's that place of dependence, then we need to look at the interdependence that we have with one another. Friends, you and I can't have a relationship with God without it impacting your relationship with others. There is no place where this is modeled more than at the cross, where Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So let's examine this a little closer. Now, most, if not all of us, would admit that we need to be forgiven. <laughs> and if you don't, let me just tell you that I do. And forgiveness, folks, is there for your sins, for my sin. The sins that you know about and the sins that I only know about. You see, we read in 1 John 1 verse 7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all our sin. So this request is not about our basic need for salvation. It's about our need to be restored to God when we sin after our salvation. It's about when our fellowship with God has been hindered because of sin. And that sin could be your misappropriation of your time, money, or maybe it's disobedience in doing something that the Spirit puts upon your heart. All sorts of things can break our fellowship with God. But the good news is that there is forgiveness for that. Now, those who have received such forgiveness are so moved with gratitude that they should be quick to restore those who have wronged them. This is part of the whole unity of believers. Have you ever found it interesting how we want God to forgive us? And there are some dark things in all of our lives, dark chapters that we just want to pretend are not that bad. But when somebody else does something similar, or maybe not even as bad to us, my goodness, it's so easy to hold onto a grudge. So easy to defend the bitterness that we have but we are called to forgive. And then we find not just our provision, give us this daily, daily bread, the position we have when it says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, but there's our protection. We need to pray for protection. You know what that is? It's when we pray, lead us not into temptation. You see, the word temptation can indicate either temptation or testing. And so the meaning most likely here is, 
allow us to be spared from difficult circumstances that would tempt us to sin. And although God never directly tempts believers, he allows us to go through situations that will test us because a faith that is not tested is really worthless. So believers should pray that we'll be delivered from those situations so that we don't sin against God. Think of Joseph in the Old Testament. He's faced with a situation where his master's wife is inviting him to go to bed with her. He knows that it is wrong, and in the end, he flees from the situation. Now, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you are able to bear. But when you are tempted, he also will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. You see, the cry of our heart is that you and I will be pleasing to the Lord because it is to him that the kingdom and the power and the glory belong. Isn't that kind of cool? You know, as we think about these men coming to Jesus and saying, you know, Jesus, would you teach me how to pray? Will you teach me how to pray? I got to be honest, folks, as uh, I think back to what I've been sharing with you tonight, uh, you know, over in the next few days, that there is going to be opportunity for me to get a little baseball game in and do some stuff like that. But being a man is, um, is not just about how I hit the curveball. And uh, certainly being a man is, uh, you know, not how I shave or whether I don't shave and all of that fun stuff that we were talking about at the beginning of the program. And I know we're going to get confused on this one, but on this Father's Day weekend, you know, if we uh, get bragging rights, oh, I end up cooking supper, it means that you're going to be grilling the steak, or maybe it's going to be burgers or a hot dog. Uh, being a man is not about how well you do. But being a man is about knowing Jesus. And can I invite you on this Father's Day? Guys, listen to me. That if you're not right with God, even listening to this program, it is not coincidence that God is speaking to you right now. He's inviting you to come back to Him. Maybe you're a stubborn cuss. Maybe you're proud. Just let go of that tonight and hear the voice of God as He's calling you and nudging you to come back home. Maybe you're a child of God, but you know what? There are things as a man that you could just start to do in leading your home, praying with your family or reading scripture. Can I encourage you to listen to the nudge of God and start to do that? It's a great day. It's a great opportunity to start fresh on this Father's Day. And more than anything else, we have a God who says, you can call me Abba Father. He's our heavenly dad. He cares for us. He loves you. And if you're outside of his family tonight, just say, Lord, I want to be right with you. I want to start walking with you. God always hears that prayer. Thanks for listening today. Hope we'll see you at church tomorrow. The preceding program has been sponsored by Find the Way Ministries.